the booklet and you look at my last name, you think, oh, where's this guy from? His last name doesn't look familiar. I'm actually from Germany. This is just a birthmark. <clears throat> no, that's just a joke. But uh, in all reality, uh, I was born in the Philippines. Do you have any Pinoy here? Any, any other Pinoy? Just, oh, there's one there? All right, good. I was actually born in the Philippines uh, in Baguio, but uh, I moved to California when I was very young. And uh, so I don't really talk that way. I speak normal like everybody else. And uh, you should see your faces just now. Some of you guys are like, oh, I got to listen to this four times this weekend. Really? And, and I'm sure uh, brother uh, over here, Brother uh, Reed, was like, he wasn't praying like that earlier, right? You were, th- you were thinking that, weren't you? And the people in front of him like, oh, heard that one before. So, but anyway, what an honor and privilege to, uh, to have this opportunity to, to preach here today. I've heard a, a little bit about uh, this men's um, conference, if you would, from uh, Brother um, uh, Lynn when I have preached in Fernley when I was in evangelism. I was in evangelism for 17 years after I left Ambassador Baptist College, and then the Lord changed my heart. I didn't want to leave evangelism. I loved evangelism. I would hope that you still do, but I loved evangelism. But you know that when you're moving into a whole new different ministry, when you still love the previous ministry, then it's the Lord really making you move. And when we, uh, when God called me into to being a pastor, got to be honest with you, I spent a lot of my time as when, when I grew up in Christianity, I got saved when I was 23 years old, but I uh, moved uh, to, Cal- to uh, um, North Carolina, went to Bible college there, and then uh, Alabama. Uh, I was there for 11 years. And so a lot of my independent Baptist years and training and learning was in the Bible belt. So when I said, Lord, I'll go wherever you want me to go. I'll do whatever you want me to do, just not California, please, because I know what that's like. I grew up there, and, uh, but God had different plans, and I am so glad I'm here in California. I love California, and I hope you do too. Well, let's get to, down to, our, to the nitty-gritty of our message. Isaiah chapter number 40, uh, it's amazing how God really works in um, the way um, just dovetailing things together. And I didn't know what I was going to preach this, this weekend, and uh, I asked Brother Tim, is this going to be a football theme? You know, how do you come up with a football theme with men and everything? Oh, my mic is, I thought it was on. I hit it. I hit, mm, oh, no, I hit mute. Sorry, my bad. It's unmute now. Now, can you hear this? Uh, is it good? Okay. All right. Um, I, I thought this, I mean, how do you come up with football themes for out of Scripture? Two-minute warning. Uh, I know, awake to righteousness and sin not for some of them. Okay, we've got to just get alert maybe or something. Or the time is at hand, you know, uh, let us uh, therefore uh, wake up out of darkness. I'm like, no, nah, should I do that? And I'm glad I called Brother Tim. And he said, Brother, just preach what the Lord leads on your heart. And so this is what the Lord laid upon my heart. Isaiah chapter number 40. If you're able to, let's stand for the reading of God's word. Isaiah chapter 40, and let's read verses 9 and 10. The scripture tells us, O Zion, that bringest good tidings, get thee up into the high mountain. O Jerusalem, that bringest good tidings, lift up thy voice 
with strength. Lift it up, be not afraid. Say unto the cities of Judah, Behold your God. Behold, the Lord God will come with strong hand, and his arm shall rule for him. Behold, his reward is with him, and his work before him. Thank you very much. You may be seated. Let's pray and ask God's blessing on his word this afternoon. We are nothing, dear God. We are nothing without you. You've said in your word that without you, we can do nothing. And so without your blessing upon this place, without your hand upon us, this would be all wasted time, wasted gasoline, wasted effort. And so I pray that your Holy Spirit would do such a work as you have already spoken in hearts in the previous message. Continue your work right now. And Father, I pray that we would set aside the distraction. The devil doesn't want us to focus. He wants us to be distracted with the mundane things of life. But dear God, I pray that you would help us to fix our hearts and our minds upon you and behold our God. And so, Lord, at this time, I ask that you would guide and direct me, guide my mind, guide my mouth, guide this message for your honor and your glory. In the name of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, to whom be glory, both now and forever. Amen. When I was doing a study on this passage of Scripture, I found this interesting thing, that the book of Isaiah is actually has actually been labeled by some as the miniature Bible. Did you know that? How many of you ever heard that before? A few of you. And, uh, oh, by the way, how many preachers or pastors do we have here? Okay, yes, I see your hand. God bless you. You may put your hands down. And uh, it's, I've always enjoyed preaching to pastors, even when I was in evangelism, because they don't really pay attention because you know what you do. You hear something in the message, and you start writing your own message doing all that, don't you? You know that that's what happens. But the rest of you, you can pay attention write your own notes on the message. But anyhow, uh, I like the, the, the fact that this book of Isaiah is called the Miniature Bible because it has 66 chapters. Just like the Bible contains 66 books. The first 39 chapters of Isaiah have a theme of judgment, which is a prominent theme throughout the 39 books of the Old Testament. Isaiah spends the first 39 chapters warning Israel of the judgment that was coming to them if they did not repent, if they didn't worship God alone, if they didn't follow his commandments. The Lord had warned them hundreds of years prior to this that if the nation persisted in rebelling against him, he was going to exile them from the land he promised to give them. But tragically, no one listened to Isaiah's warning. Even so, stern warnings are interspersed with comfort and promise of the Messiah, including references to a child. Maybe you've known, heard him. His name is Emmanuel, God with us. Isaiah chapter number 7. And then the final 27 chapters of the book of Isaiah reflect the message of the 27 books of the New Testament. Do you realize that? Hope found in the coming Savior. 
Isaiah's crowning chapter is the prophetic description of the suffering servant found in, in uh, chapter 53, which is the highlight of this book. However, at the end of chapter 39, lay this dire warning to King Hezekiah. And if you can look back there in Isaiah 39, verse number 6, the Bible says, uh, it says, the voice said, cry. And he said, what shall I cry? All flesh is grass, and all the uh, godliness thereof is as the flower of the field. The grass withereth, the flower fadeth, because, oh, excuse me, that's in verse 40. Uh, verse number 6 of, of chapter 39, excuse me. Behold, the days come that all that is in thine house and that which thy fathers have laid up in storm, a store until this day shall be carried to Babylon. Nothing shall be left, saith the Lord. A dire warning to, king, to, to the king, Hezekiah. Bad news was given in that chapter 39. But then we get to chapter 40. And notice how it begins in verse number 1. Chapter 40 and the tenor of the rest of the book from this point on changes from a warning to something wonderful. It says in verse number 1, Comfort ye, comfort ye my people, saith your God. Speak ye comfortably to Jerusalem and cry unto her, that her warfare is accomplished, that her, her iniquity is pardoned, for she hath received of the Lord's hand double for all her sins. Now, it begins with the encouraging words, comfort ye, comfort ye my people, saith your God. And then Isaiah declared the good news. He said, speak ye comfortably to my people, to Jerusalem. And as I studied this passage of Scripture and these verses, I got to where the very end of verse number 2 where it says, For she hath received of the Lord's hand double for all her sins. What does that mean? What does that mean that she will receive double for all her sins? Somebody once said to me when I asked them about this, they said, well, that means... Isaiah to give us a message to Jerusalem, what kind of comfort is it that God would punish his wife for her sins? It would be like a parent saying to their child, listen, I know you disobeyed me. I know that you deserve this spanking, but I want you to be comforted. I want you to feel really good about yourself. But what does that mean then? It is my understanding that when God said ye, that the she has received of the Lord's hand double, it means that he is going to give her a double blessing for even what she has done. I, I liken it to this. If Israel. That's 
bad, but this has two times the bad. And that you can be comforted in. Comfort ye, comfort ye, my people. Here's some good news. I know you have sinned this much, but I'm going to bless you. he goes on, in verse number 3, he introduces the prophecy of John the Baptist as the forerunner of Christ, the voice of him that crieth in the wilderness, prepare ye the way of the Lord, make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Matthew 3, verse number 3, is the fulfillment of that. It says, for this is he that is spoken of by the prophet Isaiah, saying, the voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare ye the way of the Lord, make his paths straight. This was a brand new message ringing forth in the ears of God's people. It was a message of comfort, of joy, encouragement, and excitement. And verse number five intensifies the greatness of this new message that the glory of the Lord shall be revealed and all flesh shall see it together for the mouth of the Lord hath spoken it, the glory of God. This is good news to his people. What is this great news that God is revealing to them? Verse 5, that all flesh, is, uh, and, uh, uh, and all flesh shall see together, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken it. The voice said, cry, and he said, what shall I cry? All flesh is grass, and the godliness thereof is as the flower of the field. The grass withereth, the flower fadeth, because the spirit of the Lord bloweth upon it. Surely the people is, is as grass. The grass withereth, the flower fadeth, but the word of our God shall stand for ever. What great news. Great news. It was God revealing himself. It's basically what he was saying to the nation of Israel. He was saying, hey, you know what? I know that you've sinned this much, but I want you to be comforted. I want you to be encouraged. I will bless you twice. I will give you double blessings. I will bless you even more than you have sinned against me. Because I love you, and this is me revealing myself to you in my word. Verse 9 begins with, O Zion, that bringest good tidings. Hey, you know what good tidings are? The gospel. Good news. The phrase good, good tidings is literally good news. Yes, folks, this is the good news. The gospel that God loves people and he still is in the soul saving business can you experience the excitement of such great news that one cannot harness it within that it must be proclaimed it was so exciting that he says you I'm, uh, the, that bringeth good tidings get thee up into the high mountain go up to the top as part and proclaim it to everybody let everyone know this is wonderful news and then, how should it be proclaimed? Verse number 9, it says, O Jerusalem, that bringest good tidings, lift up thy voice with strength. Don't be silent about it. May I say this to you men? God is not the least bit impressed with secret service saints. He's not impre impressed with silent servants either. We ought to be proclaiming the good news with a strong voice. And notice he says, lift it up. Be not afraid. Don't be ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We can keep on proclaiming this because it is good news. It is a message of comfort. And then he says, say unto the cities of Judah, behold your God.
God. You know what he was saying? He was saying, I'm about to leave. I have shown myself to you, and I want you not to miss it. I dare say, men, how many times do we go through life God provided a building for our church, and it's wonderful. We praise our God. Oh, God provided this many people in our congregation. We praise our God. Oh, God provided this much in teachers for that. Yeah, praise God. We always go to God. Listen, I've got, I, I'm feeling good. I have great. When those times come of trial and tribulation, do you behold God? Behold your God in everything. And that's what God is trying to get to. He's saying, this is how you've been. You've been wicked. You've been evil. But I am going to bless you. You need to see me behold your God. And I am so thankful, Brother Tim, that that's been on your mind this whole time. That you want to see God work. I'm thinking, thank you, Lord, for this message. And so, um, what manner should we proclaim this message? With an unequivocal boldness, lift it up and be not afraid. And so with this in mind, let me encourage you to behold your God in several things that we see from this passage. Number one, we ought to behold the power of God. Behold the power of God. Look at verse number 10. It says, Behold, the Lord God will come with what? Strong hand. With strong hand. And his arm shall rule for him. The arm of the Lord refers to his power. And where can we behold the power of God? Number one, we can behold the power of God in salvation. As I mentioned already, lady, uh, uh, fellas, I'm so used to saying ladies and gentlemen when I was in evangelism. Men, okay? Uh, uh, God is still in the, in the soul-saving business. The message of the gospel has not changed, and the power of the gospel has not waned. It is still able to change and, and transform lives. Psalm 20, verse number 6 says, Know now I that the Lord saveth his anointed he will hear him from his holy heaven and, the, and with, uh, with the saving strength of his right hand. Romans 1.16, for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. 1 Corinthians 1.18, the Bible makes it very clear, for the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness, but unto us which are saved, it is still the power of God. God is still in the soul-saving business, and he will still save souls in California. I get frustrated
in a dark state from top to bottom, north to south, if the light at that Bible Belt mindset. Oh, they're Catholics. They don't believe in Jesus. They don't believe in God. I remember thinking when I was in the Catholic Church, I'm from California, but Jesus is from California. That's how I used to think. So yes, I'm from California. I get the power of salvation. Number two, behold the power of God in daily situations. If we can trust God for our salvation, why is it then that we get anxious in our daily things? Psalm 27, 1 says, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? Psalm 71, verse number 16 says, I will go in the strength of the Lord. I will make mention of thy righteousness, even of thine only. And you know Proverbs 3, 5. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not to thine own understanding. Verse 6, in all thy ways acknowledge him and he shall direct thy path. Proverbs 8, verse 17. I love them that love me and those that seek me early shall find me. Behold the power of God in your everyday situation. The Bible makes it very clear that even if we have the faith the size of a mustard seed, God can move One day, we're going to have Sunday as a day. Anybody ever done Sunday as a day? You ever been okay? You ever been to youth convention? Okay. We decided one Sunday we were going to have our uh, Sunday as a mission day. And it was our lowest point in our year. And we put out tents there, and I'm preaching and everything. And I didn't even preach because And he started drinking all over again. 
Carla's gone. And I got his number, so I said, Carla's gone. He finally answered and he said, There is not a mountain too high that God cannot move. There is no strong, a storm too strong that God cannot calm. Behold your God. Number two, not only should we behold the, behold the power of God, but notice in verse number 11, we should behold the provision of God. Verse number 11, it says, He shall feed his flock like a shepherd. He shall gather the, um, the lambs with his arm. God will feed his people with what we need and provide nourishment for each and every one of us. There is not a person here in this room that is here by mistake. You are here by God's appointment. And he wants to do something great in your life. He wants to show himself strong to you. He wants you to behold your God because he wants you to realize that he is the chief shepherd. He is the great shepherd, and he wants to feed you and nourish you and take care of you. Psalm 34, verse 10 says, The lions do lack and suffer hunger, but they that seek the Lord shall not want of any good thing. You know what God has revealed to us in his word? He says, Psalm 81, verse number 10, I am the Lord thy God, which brought thee out of the land of Egypt. Open thy mouth wide, and I shall And we wonder why we're spiritually starved. You see, my dear friends, God wants to provide for your needs. Matthew 6, verse 26, Behold the fowls of the air, for they sow not. Neither do they reap nor gather into barns. Yet your heavenly Father feedeth them. Are ye not much better than they? Are you financially struggling? 
behold your God. He will provide. Are you physically struggling? Behold your God. He will provide. Are you in need of emotional and spiritual nourishment? Behold your God. He will provide. Are you struggling spiritually? Behold your God. God and his word has provided for us everything that we need that deals with life and godliness. Hey, you just say that. Let me tell you this right now. God's word has provided everything that you need that deals with life and godliness. You want to be a godly man? God's word has it all. He'll provide for it. How do I know? 2 Peter 1, verse number 3. According as his divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness through the knowledge of him that hath called us to glory and virtue. He's given us all things. So behold your God. Behold your God. Number two, uh, excuse me, number three, not only should we behold uh, the, uh, the uh, power of God and behold the provision of God, but thirdly, behold the protection of God. Look in verse number 11. The second half of that, it says, he shall gather the lambs with his arm and carry them in his bosom and shall gently lead those that are with young. Can you just imagine the chief shepherd doing that with his lambs? Just holding them in his arms, caring for them, protecting them. Lambs tend to wander and put themselves in danger where the wolves can devour them. I was in evangelism for 17 years. And I, you know, just like any evangelist, I blew in, blew up, blew out, you know. And, uh, but when I became a pastor, boy, I really got to learn the sheep. I really got to learn the flock. And it didn't matter how old somebody was, I could tell that they were still lambs. And I learned this, sheep have teeth. And they bite. But you know what? God still loves and cares and protects for those lambs. And God will bring his people close to him and carry them and protect them because he loves them. Psalm 46.1, God is our refuge and strength. He's a very present help in trouble. Isaiah 41.10, fear thou not, for I am with thee. Be not dismayed, for I am thy God. I will strengthen thee, yea, I will help thee. Yea, I will uphold thee with thy right hand in my righteousness. 2 Thessalonians 3.3, but the Lord is faithful who shall establish you and keep you from evil. Hey, you know what? God loves us and will protect us like a cheap shepherd, carries us in his bosom, keeps us close, and keeps us from temptation. 1 Corinthians 10, 13. There's no temptation taking you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful who will not suffer you to be tempted above that you're able, but will with the temptation also make a way to escape that ye may be able to bear it. That's not in my notes. struggle with it a lot, but aren't you glad that God will hold you close? God will keep you in his bosom and hold you tight, and he will make a way to escape from that temptation. So when that escape comes, 
behold your God. He's protected you. He's protected you. And then, uh, what are we at, number four? Number four, behold the special care of God. The latter part of verse number 11 says, and, and shall gently lead those that are with young. This speaks of a shepherd who takes those lambs who are still suckling but are weary from their travels as they are working their way to the green flat pastures. And so the shepherd takes special care of those who are weak and struggling. I ask you, men, are you struggling with life? Struggling in your marriages? Struggling with your interpersonal relationships with children? Struggling in your interpersonal relationships at work? Then behold your God. Isaiah 1, 18 says, Come now, let us reason together, saith the Lord. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. If you be willing and obedient, ye shall eat the good of the land. God wants to take special care of you. Matthew 11, verse number 28 says, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest in your souls. Oh, I'm reminded of that song, that hymn, Be not dismayed, whate'er be tied, God will take care of you. Beneath his wings of love abide, God will take care of you. Through days of toil, when a uh, heart doth fail, God will take care of you. When dangers fears, uh, uh, danger fears your paths assail, God will take care of you. God will take care of you through every day or all the way. He will take care of you. God will take care of you. Struggling with anything? Behold your God. Behold your God. And then, number five, behold the creation of God. Look at verse number 12. Verse number 12 says, Who hath measured the waters in the hollow of his hand? And meted out heaven with a span, and comprehend the dust of the earth in a measure, and weigh the mountains in scales, and the hills in balance. Well, the, these are all rhetorical questions because we know that it is God who did it all. It is God who, uh, who uh, uh, created everything. And God is the one who we ought to behold when we see creation. My, the Bible says in Psalm 19.1, the heavens declare the glory of God and the firmament showeth his handiwork. Anytime we get outside, we can behold the wonders of God in creation. I grew up in Oxnard, California. Anybody know where Oxnard is? All right. I grew up in Oxnard and I thought Oxnard was kind of cool. You know, I was right next to the ocean. I, I grew up an ocean guy. I like to, to be in the water and everything. But I never made my way down. Because San Diego is filthy. And every time I got to San Diego, I ended up Amazing. 
that this beautifully painted sky during sunset, that there is no God. Since we've been in San Diego, my wife and I had this ocean, whatever, you have it. Every plower, uh, excuse me, every flower points to its maker. Every wave of the sea speaks of God. Every drop of rain is a message from above and every flake of snow. Huh, I don't think we've ever seen that in San Diego. But every flake of snow over at Big Bear where we can go declares the divine details from God. Proverbs 30, verse number 4 says, Who hath ascended up into the heaven or descended? Who hath gathered the wind in his fists? Who hath bound the waters in a garment? Who hath established all the ends of the earth? What is his name and what is his son's name? If thou canst tell, I'll tell you his name. God Almighty, it's Jehovah God, it's Jesus Christ. So behold your God. Behold your God. Get outside. Live outside your God. That's free. And then lastly, lastly, I want you to see verses 13 and 14. We should behold the wisdom of God. Behold the wisdom of God. It says there in verses 13 and 14, who hath directed the spirit of the Lord? Or being his counselor hath taught him. With whom took he counsel and who instructed him and taught him in the path of judgment and taught him knowledge and showed him the way of understanding? You see, when you're struggling, you don't know what God is doing. You don't understand what is happening in your ministry or in your life. Trust in the wisdom of God. We don't glory in the wisdom of men, but we can, we can glory in the wisdom of God. And, you know, here in Northern California, you have all these higher learning institutions, the Stanford, the Berkeley, and what else is up here in this area? Uh, what? Davis, that's right, Davis, okay? We just had San Diego State, the party college of the United States, you know? But, no, it doesn't matter how intelligent people are up here, the wisdom of God still stands. I'm not going to re-preach his message, but ladies and gentlemen, God is not dependent on the counsels of men nor of angels. No creature is qualified to instruct God. Therefore, all creation should confide and behold the wisdom of God. Proverbs 2, verse number 6, For the Lord giveth wisdom. Out of his mouth cometh knowledge and understanding. You need wisdom for your business? Behold your God. You need wisdom for your family, your wife, your children? Behold your God. You need wisdom for your church and ministry? Behold your God. James 1, verse number 5, you know these verses. If any of you lack wisdom, what? Let him ask of God, which give it to all men liberally, and upbraideth not, and it shall be given him. So behold your God. Now, folks, we don't know exactly what's in store for the rest of the year for us or what's going to happen in 2023. But I do know this much. Second Chronicles 16.9 says, For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth 
to show himself strong on the behalf of them whose heart is perfect towards him. You know what that means? That means God's eyes are on you. God wants to reveal himself to us. He wants to show himself strong. He wants to support us. He wants to supply us. But we must intentionally be looking for him. In every instance, in every moment, every circumstance, behold your God. Our hearts are to be sincere, real, and focused on him. Seek his word. And intentionally seek his works and seek his wisdom. So I, I, I charge you, my brethren, behold your God.